broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Happy Tuesday and welcome to Midtown Business Radio. I'm your host, Michael Lauer, and we've got a great show lined up for you guys. Later on, we'll be visiting with Mark Molinari with Four Source, Janelle Jolly with Sidewalk Districts, and Blake Patton with Tech Square Ventures. But first, we have Nicole Siokis with the Moms Corps. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. You know, it was a, it was actually a nice relaxing weekend for me, so I'm refreshed and I'm ready to take on the week. Good. How about good. yourself? You have a good weekend? I did have a nice weekend. There That's was a little short, but uh, it's always, always too nice. short. <laughs> well, so tell me a little bit about Mom Corps. So Mom Corps is a national career development and staffing organization. We have offices. Um, from the West Coast to the East Coast, and I own the Atlanta market of MomCore. And what we do is we work kind of in twofold. We work with companies, both small companies and large companies, who have professional-level, flexible positions that they need filled. Um, we also have something called MomCore U, and that's Y-O-U, and that's geared to- towards um, folks who are looking to get into the workforce or are working currently and um, it offers them a variety of different programs, both like financial-based. I don't know if some of you might be familiar with Jean Chatsky. She runs our financial program. Uh, Dr. Batia, who's here local, she runs the Atlanta Center for Holistic Medicine. And she'll talk about health and well-being and things like that. So those are programs that we offer to, um, for candidates who, like I said, who are, are working currently or looking to get back into the workforce. And then we work with companies as well. So... This is not just for moms, is that correct? That's a great question. We get that a lot. So the name Mom Corps would insinuate that we are only focused on moms. And truthfully, that is how we got our start. But um, in the 10 years that we've been in business, we've really kind of discovered that flexibility means different things to different people. So we work with plenty of moms, obviously, but we do work with plenty of dads, and we work with people who don't have children at all. So... Define flexibility. I know you see there's a lot of different definitions, but who would qualify for this? Um, anybody, really. So the way we define flexibility, we define it in terms of time, place, and duration. So, you know, time could be, it could be a modified work week. It could be part-time if that's what you're looking for. Place could be, um, and this is a big one here in Atlanta, obviously, is commute. We have a lot of people who come to us and say, you know, I live in Stone Mountain and I'm driving all the way to Alpharetta. I would really like to shorten my commute. So that could be the flexibility that they need. And then duration. We do a lot of work, um, and there's actually some Gallup information that came out, um, how the contract labor force is going to really grow over the next um, 10 years or so. And that's what we do a lot. And so in duration, we do a lot of contract work. So that could be seasonal. Tax accounting is a great example of that. Um, And then just specific contract needs. A lot of the larger corporations that we deal with might have very project-based positions that they need filled just on like a six-month or even a 12-month term. So you do a lot of seasonal temporary fill. Mm -hmm. We do, yeah. And that that, that just fits into the, the clientele that you have, the flexibility needs that they have, correct? That's exactly right. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, it does mean different things to different people. Some people are open to full-time permanent positions, but like I said, they might want a shorter commute. Uh, But there are plenty of people out there who don't like to do the same thing every day for long periods of time. So they like contract work because they can rotate a six-month project at one company and then go and experience something different at a completely different company. So with you guys, 
you have to tailor the situation based on who who you're trying to fit the job for, correct? Well, so we work with companies. Those are okay. our clients. And they come to us and they say, here's what we're looking for. And then we go and um, we have a pretty extensive portfolio of candidates. And then we go into our candidate database and we'll recruit and interview and, um, and find folks who meet the specific requirements of our clients, which, like I said, are the companies. So how many jobs on average do you place a year? That's a tough question, but that, I, but like I I know it's different. It's it's tough because it depends on the right person for the right, right. job. But what kind of success are you guys looking at? We, we're having really really good success, and I think a lot of that is in, attributed to the fact that companies are really starting to embrace the idea of flexibility, and they're really starting to get the notion that it doesn't necessarily mean that I need to hire somebody on a part time basis, which is what most people think of when they think of flexibility. They think of reduced hours, but we're seeing really kind of a sweeping change. Um, across companies and it's interesting every Labor Day we do a survey um, a nationwide survey and um, the most recent one that we that we had was which was the fall of um, last year about almost 65 70 percent of people that we surveyed said that they are starting to get flexibility in their jobs which is great because over the last three years we've seen that trending up so companies are really starting to embrace the idea of flexibility so that might be you know work from home one day or or and and work in the office the rest of the day or you might have a shift in hours maybe you come in at nine and leave at six as opposed to you know being an eight and being in at eight and typical rush hour things like that so um, because of that uh, notion of embracing flexibility we've really seen a pretty good hiring trend here in Atlanta um, although I will tell you we've really seen a pretty big growth in the contract labor force um, companies hiring for very specific contract-based positions and that's in the larger companies in the smaller companies what we're seeing is um, because we can handle all of the payroll and the taxes and all of that stuff um, a lot of the smaller companies like that we will do all of that for them. So they will come and hire somebody through us um, on a contract basis. And when I say contract, it, it means because the uh, employee would be a W-2 through Mom Corps. They like the fact that they just pay a weekly invoice and they don't have to handle all of the workers' comp and the in- insurance. Okay, so basically they hire you and you hire someone and, and you're a mediator through that. Exactly. Right? Yep. That's exactly and, right. Is that what percentage of is that happening? Is that like half and half that, that, that they directly hire the individual or they work through you um that's a great question and that changes year over year too so it's not a consistent thing it's just depending on what the need at the time right yep like last year i think there was a lot of concerns around um, the healthcare initiative and what was going to happen so we had a a pretty big push particularly the second half of the year where companies were hiring folks on a contract basis where they were mom core w-2 employees and they wouldn't have to worry necessarily about any healthcare needs initially what are the benefits for a company hiring a flexible or, or being flexible friendly, flexibility friendly? What, what do you think? Retention's a big part of it. Um, we've seen some pretty startling um, retention numbers too. The other thing is that, um, as part of the survey that I mentioned earlier, we found that um, that about sixty percent of folks are willing to give up a portion of their salary in order to gain flexibility. So there's obviously immediate cost savings. And that magic number, by the way, is about ten percent of their salary um, is what they're willing no to forego to to get flexibility. So where is the surplus here? Is it is it in jobs or is it in workers right now for you guys? Are you kind of finding? It's probably still in workers, um, but it is as employees are willing to embrace the idea of potential of, of contract-based work or, or flexible work, and as employers are, are um, opening that as well, 
um, that's starting to decrease. But I would say at the moment, it's still in employees. So do you find that employees get multiple jobs through you guys? So they'll, they'll get a contract and they'll get another contract and stay through you guys that way? Or is it is that They common? can if they, if they have a skill set that's in high demand, then we do. Um, another great one would be like somebody who's an accountant, as an example. Um, accountants are notorious for working with multiple clients. So because accountants aren't necessarily needed full time or a bookkeeper isn't necessarily needed full time. So, you know, if somebody needs them 10 hours a week, they can have three clients. Um, and we may be able to even place them with three different clients. So how hard is it to get new companies to buy into this for you guys? That's a great question. Um, it's been pretty the the concept of MomCore is a feel good idea, so people like the well, it's idea. It's a great name, of, right? Exactly. <laughs> it, it has worked in our benefit, but there are people who are the marketing who are, guys who don't get, love get a check yeah, mark for that exactly. So the idea of MomCore is a feel-good concept, so I think people embrace that naturally. Um, and I think that if companies truly have a job that is flexible, they like the idea that they would come to us and that they know that our candidates really are looking for flexibility, that they aren't necessarily going to go into a job and then a month later say, okay, am, are you going to turn me into full-time now? Or they have to worry about, about that person leaving because they're only taking this part-time, let's say use part-time as an example, but a part-time job when they really are looking for full-time and they may leave that job, you know, in a couple weeks or something like that. So, um, so we've had really tremendous success here in the Atlanta market and even nationally too. We have offices. How long have you been in the, has mom Corbin in the Atlanta market? We started here in 05. Okay. So that's quite a, quite a bit of time. Yes. Yeah. And uh, do you find that you're growing? We are. We're growing. Uh, as a corporate office, we're hiring folks to support our um, client demands. Um, are you guys flexible with your employment? We are. We are. <laughs> we uh, most of us work virtually, which is nice. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. It's and it's good because because we all work virtually, we can be good advisors for our clients to tell them what we do personally and how it works and things that we've learned. They can learn from our mistakes. So. Um, hopefully that's helpful information for them. Do you find that once a company staffs through you guys, that they kind of come back to you and you kind of keep them for a little bit? Knock on wood, yes, that's been the case. Um, we hopefully, you know, we always try to have, make sure that everybody has a good experience with us. But ideally, yes, they they come back to us. But maintaining that client relationship is really important to you guys. It is very important, um, and uh, you know, it, it takes work like anything, right? So, um, so it's very important to uh, for us to get feedback from our clients what's working well, what hasn't worked well, so that we can always uh, continue to improve and be better at what we do. Sure. So, what's the greatest obstacle that you guys face as a business? Um, right now, quite honestly, growth is a big one is being able to keep up with the demand that we're experiencing. So hiring, uh, for me personally, like hiring recruiters who are good recruiters and and can manage client relationships and maintain those and grow those client relationships. So for us, it's, um, for MomCore Atlanta, it's, it's just being able to grow to maintain our, our client, uh, demands. So where can people go if they want to seek employment or seek employees with MomCore? So our, our website is our greatest resource, and that's um, www.mommcorps.com, momcore.com. 
And you'll, um, if you're a candidate, there's a place there you'll see across the top that there's a candidate tab. You can fill out a profile and you'll be automatically logged into our portfolio. And then um, you have the option to get weekly newsletters from us. We send out newsletters every week to our candidate pool where we feature different jobs and we have articles that are relevant. Um, and then for employers, um, there is contact information for the different offices and my contact information is on there as well. And so just head to the website. You can just website. find whatever you need through there. That's, yep. that's your funnel. That's great. And then my direct phone number is 678-590-2840. And then give the website one more time. Momcore.com, M-O-M-C-O-R-P-S.com. Well, Nicole, I appreciate you coming in. You mind hanging out while we visit with the next I'd love to. Thank you. All right. Next up is Mike Molinari with Source. Did I say that correctly? It's Mark. Mark. Isn't that what I said? believe you said mike but oh jeez let's go with mark uh, well mark sounds better actually <laughs> okay. mark that makes more sense to me how you doing mark <laughs> great michael how about yourself doing well so tell me a little bit about fourth source uh, fourth source is a nearshore it services company founded in 2004 on the proposition that proximity matters um we're uh, we're profitable We've been in the Inc. 5,000 four years uh, in a row, and uh, we should be again this year. We're one of the fastest-growing companies in the Atlanta area as well. Uh, received the Paysetter Award uh, a couple years back and are nominated again this year for it. Um, we, uh, we were founded by uh, myself and a gentleman named Richard McKay, uh, former Oracle executives, both of us have spent our life in uh, in IT, so we sure. we understand that business. Um, with uh, our nearshore operations are out of uh, Latin America, specifically Mexico. We've got our lead office in Merida, in the state of Yucatan. One in Mexico City, another on the Pacific Coast in Colima. Offices throughout the U.S. Must be a drag living there, huh? <coughs> it's. It was actually part of the business strategy. <laughs> That's uh, smart. Funny, funny that you mentioned it. Uh, the centroid of business operations is uh, Mexico City for, for anything that happens in Mexico. And and while that's interesting and and useful, we thought it was better to be slightly different and looking at it from a U.S. business person's perspective rather than a, a Latam person's perspective. Um, close to the beach is good. Uh, it's never bad, right? It, it's not. Uh, we we bring a lot of guests. Um, oh, it's good for clients, uh, and, right? And clients, guests, and uh, and employees sure. to our locations, and and it's always nice to have a, a great weekend after a great week. So, so, for the listeners at home that don't know exactly what you mean by nearshore, how would you explain that? Uh, nearshore uh, to the U.S. is really two places. It's either Canada or Mexico. The reason we chose Mexico was uh, it helped to make our rates um, more competitive in the U.S., actually eclipsing what um, what companies out of India, China, and the Philippines are able to offer, while at the same time having uh, very high quality. And as a result of NAFTA, we can move people back and forth between our locations in uh, Mexico and the U.S., and our clients' locations uh, onshore with great deft, um, whether it's a meeting for an hour or a week-long uh, deployment or forever, we can have the right person at the right location sure. at the right time with 
with just great ease. So before we get into more about what Fourth Source offers, I want to know more about Mark. So what's your story? What's your backstory, Mark? Uh, I'm an IT guy, a computer science degree, and um, uh, started out uh, doing uh, programming, systems programming on this uh, this very esoteric uh, operating system that no longer is of use. I, I, it might be running somewhere in DOD centers, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, but it's not being used anymore. And then got into leadership positions and uh, started running cost centers and P&Ls and um, worked for a software company running North America uh, out of Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, had uh, two tour of duties at Oracle running large swaths of... Uh, of uh, territories in the consulting world and um, about 10 years ago maybe 12 years ago uh, wrote down the business plan for fourth source recognizing there was a you know, middle ground that just wasn't uh, wasn't being attacked there's uh, you know great companies that provide domestic labor there are great companies that provide offshore labor but there wasn't really a US presence to provide nearshore labor. So we've got the best of both worlds, very compelling pricing, at the same time extremely high quality and the ability to move people where they need to be. So how'd you come up with the name of Fourth Source? Uh, that's an interesting one. We uh, we started out as Fourth Shift, believe it or not, and uh, recognizing that there are three shifts in the U.S., uh, eight hours each, and we would be the fourth one. Right. Uh, kind of a cute, clever name. We uh, uh, we were informed by a software company uh, uh, shortly after we chose the name, and you know, we was just myself and Rick at that point that we had no no funding, no right. capital, no, no clout, nothing. right? No, exactly, no juice. <laughs> um, and uh, there was a software company that had trademarked that name, and they sent us a cease and desist, and we ceased and desisted. <laughs> um, but uh, the whole time we. Um, yeah, we we have it in our our hip pocket that we're going to grow the company, and uh, which we have, and uh, continue to become successful. And at some point, should we want to go back and take our name back, we will, by force if necessary. Exactly, <laughs> the old-fashioned way. So, how long is you mentioned that you put the business plan down? 10, 12 years ago. Is that when it started? Of course, exactly. it started as yeah. well. Two thousand four, we had our first client uh, engagement, and uh, it started out with. Uh, with two people and two became a handful at one client and a handful became 10 and success continued from there um, with uh, our first uh, several clients and we've had some clients for uh, for that duration for uh, for over 10 years and continually grow um, in in number in technologies and in uh, in geography with our clients they they just they like what we do. We uh, we hire very talented, very honest, very hardworking people, and that's something that will resonate with any business over time. Well, you got to provide quality, and the way you do that is with quality people, right? Absolutely, you guys. absolutely. The um, the growth that we've had has been phenomenal, and um, we've got over five hundred employees right now in uh, in our centers and. Mexico and the U.S. And the thing that really, really drives this business uh, for our clients is the fact that we do have this onshore U.S.-based presence that lives basically at our client sites 
and the uh, the Mexican near shore is more of an abstraction layer. Um, sometimes those people will be working and never meet the client. Sometimes they'll have daily interactions, but our U.S.-based presence is the the face and voice and context of uh, everything that happens, whether it's domestic or near shore. So our clients get a chance to to be with the same people day in day out people who have the same culture the same interests the same everything the same business background so geographically what kind of clients do you guys mostly get it sounds right. like you guys appeal to a pretty wide range yeah it geographically it's we're we're focusing on the US although at some point it may make sense to uh, to look at uh Europe and in Asia for clients, but the the market in the U.S. is just so huge that you could you could spend yeah, I would a, think, a, yeah. a lifetime of uh, of being successful there. Uh, in terms of verticals, are uh, historically since Rick and I were Oracle people, that was kind of a, a niche technology for us. Although we've gone beyond that, uh, embracing Microsoft and and tier three uh, products. Cerner is a big one for us right now because we're focusing a lot in healthcare and life sciences. But, um, you know, we're, we're opportunistic. We, we, we think that what we have is a, the ability to bolt on labor in, in the place where it's needed, at the time where it's needed for a very compelling price at high quality. And that's that's technology independent. It's geography independent. It's vertical independent. So, are you guys? Do you guys go on site for work? Do you guys usually work from your offices? How does that? I mean, I'm totally ignorant of the technology field. So, no, how okay. does that usually work? It's um, it it really depends on what our clients want. There are some clients that have a need for our people to be on site, and and if that's the case, we do it. There are some clients that don't really care where the work happens as long as the work product is what they want it to be, then, you know, we can take advantage of having our staff in Mexico accomplish that for a, for a, a great uh, a great rate. And then there are some clients and deliverables that require, you know, sometimes touchy-feely and sometimes a remote uh, workforce, and, and that's where that blended capability that we have works very well. Now, you've mentioned that you guys are growing. I know you have some exciting numbers to share. What, what, what are some of those uh, figures you're looking at? Uh, um, well, this year we, uh, or last year, rather, we closed the year at $25 million. This year uh, we're looking at uh, above $30 million That's awesome. In, in sales. And, you know, it's just a, it's a great success story. We owe it to, you know, to our clients who have had faith in us, and, and we've delivered very well for them, our employees who work extremely hard for us. Uh, and are uh, are very dedicated, and uh, the backing of our management and shareholders, uh, which make it all possible. Well, I know that um, the technology field, as far as employment, is um, there's actually a, a greater need for work than there are for workers right now. So, how hard is it for you to find quality employees? You know, that's been the case since the the 1990s, when uh, you know there's preparation for Y2K and a shortage of. Uh, of folks in the U.S. with uh, IT degrees to fulfill all all of that uh, service need, and that's when the whole offshore marketplace blew up. India came online, and uh, 
And uh, there have been some great success stories as a result of that and some painful success stories as a result of that as well. But we, we don't have problems finding good people. Uh, they're, they're all over the place. There's a, a new emergence of, uh, of folks in the U.S. that are getting IT degrees. We're opening up a, uh, an office in uh, uh, rural Louisiana, taking advantage of some incentives there, but also uh, a, uh, an abundance of labor out of, out of local universities. And um, so where we can hire in the U.S., we do, and where it makes sense to hire elsewhere, we, we do that as well. So you just kind of look for opportunities and just execute. It's, it's kind of what your business is just constantly well, doing. That's that, that what... Contributes, yeah. uh, contributes to your growth, right? Well, that's the that's the pointy end of the spear is being opportunistic. We do have business plans that back that up um, and help uh, provide direction for us. But at the end of the day, if a client comes to us and asks for something, if it's uh, in our sweet spot, the answer is easily yes. And if it's not in our sweet spot, we just get creative and make it happen. So how many current locations do you have? In the U.S., we've got uh, all four time zones covered with offices, our project management offices, uh, as well as sales offices. Our headquarters is in Canton. As I stated, we've got three offices in Mexico, and a uh, fourth one will be coming online next quarter uh, in, uh, just outside of uh, Cabo San Lucas. Again, going back, yeah, to, it's the, real tough, man. Going back to the premise <laughs> that... Uh, you can always get people to work anywhere as long as there's opportunity and and a uh, chance for development and, and good wages. You can get people pretty much anywhere. But then having something that's a little bit more interesting and different and fun is uh, is part of what we're about. And, and it's been part of our success for the last 10 years and will continue to be at an infinitum, at infinitum. Well, it's proven that a great work environment increases productivity, and, and it just is better all the way around. So, I mean, Cabo San Lucas sounds like a great work environment for me. So I'll be submitting a resume <laughs> shortly. Great. <laughs> so you mentioned that you have a sweet spot. What's some of your sweet spot for work that you guys really, really excel at as a company? Well, I guess the 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 short answer would be uh, our Oracle capabilities. Um uh, in terms of technology, but outside of technology development and QA would be, um, you know, fair uh, sweet spots for us as as uh, the entire IT life cycle. If you look at it from end to end, you've got um, business analysis where we provide uh, uh, folks who do that. We do um, uh, technical analysis, design work, development, QA, and support. For some of our clients, we have an entire IT life cycle, and for others, they just focus us where they need uh, assistance. And and what they find over time is uh, you know, capability in one area um, mandates that we have capability and capabilities in other areas. And and where we've been brought in to do QA, we find ourselves doing development and design work and analysis work over the course of time. What would you say is is the standout attributes of your company that set you apart from your competitors? Well, there are there are companies that do offshore, and um, 
and they're founded by people in those those countries. They they understand how business works in India or how business works in China or how how IT and government and healthcare and technology works in those particular countries. The 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 single most thing that makes us different would be the fact that we're a U.S. company. We were created by um, uh, by Americans in America, focusing on American business, and we use this abstraction layer out of Latin America and uh, and soon to be in other uh, geographies as a way of applying. Uh, best practices and and uh, technology to U.S. business problems. So you might have um, people in other countries that uh, work for uh, offshore or even nearshore competitors, but it, they just don't get U.S. business. We we've been doing this stuff forever. We we eat it, we sleep it. It's you know it's in our DNA. We get U.S. business. So um, I mean that just puts us light years ahead of our competition. Yeah, you, you know your client better, and when exactly. you do that, you can you can serve them better, right? Exactly. So you started this business from from the ground up, quite literally. Correct. And if you could go back in time, twelve years, we got a lot of entrepreneurs listening. We got a lot of startups listening. If you could go back in time, twelve years, and give yourself some advice, what would it be? I would say do it, do it. If there's anybody out there listening that has an idea, you know, there's there's lots of good ideas that just never get launched. And, um, you know, whether there's a necessity behind it or an, an urgency and immediacy or, or not, I would say do it. There's, you, you, what's the worst thing that could happen? You become amazingly successful. You provide uh, jobs for people who need them. You provide solutions for clients who, uh, who can take advantage of them and have a lot of fun in the process. So I would say do it. So where can people go to learn more about Fourth Source? www.fourthsource.com. That's the number four, T-H-S-O-U-R-C-E.com. We're also on LinkedIn. Uh, we've also got a Facebook uh, presence as well. Well, Mark, it's been great talking with you. I've learned more about Fourth Source and Nearshore capabilities. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add before we turn you loose? Oh, thanks so much for having me, Michael. All right. How would you feel about hanging out with our next guest? Would love to. All right. Next up, we have Janelle Jolly with Sidewalk District. Hello, hello, hello. Did I say that correctly? Yes, you did. All right. Yes. So tell me a little bit more about the Sidewalk District. What is it? Sure. We're an online marketplace for local independent retailers so that jazzy consumers like the people in the studio can browse and shop a local boutique, home decor, gift pet or bike shop anytime, anywhere from a phone, laptop or tablet. I like to say that it's Etsy for brick and mortar retailers. Okay, so basically these stores come to you and have an internet site through you? Um, How does that work? Sort of. So uh, the platform enables every store to have their own individual store page and uh, e-commerce portal uh, in a marketplace setting so that, you know, if I know my favorite local boutique is store A, but I don't necessarily know that store C even exists, I'm on the same platform and I can discover uh, additional stores as well as engage with um, longtime favorites. So you customize the browsing experience based on what they've, they already like? Yes. So that's, that's version 1.2 of the platform, <laughs> but yes, that it will be a functionality that is included. Mm -hmm. So did you start this? Yeah, I did. 
All right. Oh, so, my God. <laughs> <laughs> tell me a little bit about that process. Sounds like you got a story uh, there. Yeah, at least two, at least two maybe. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know if we have enough time for the whole story, <laughs> but I mean, it was, uh, it's a pretty, pretty typical, I guess, founder, uh, founder situation I found myself in. Um, so when I moved to Atlanta in uh, August of 2009, I didn't know where to shop and I was really extremely frustrated by that. Um, and I thought that was a silly problem to have. So I was like, fussing about that problem to friends of mine. I want to give you my money. Right, right, right. Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> so I was uh, I was fussing about it to some friends of mine, like, in different cities around the country. And, um, you know, they were having the same problem, but, you know, they they lived in Chicago, New York, Houston, San Francisco for years. And I'm like, well, I still don't know where to shop. I still don't know where the cool um, local stores are. So I was like, huh. So this is so this is an interesting issue. Maybe there's issue. something here. You're right. Maybe maybe there's an opportunity here. So uh, so that's how it all started. It was just out of sheer frustration. Um, and so it started off initially as just a shopping guide, city by city. Uh, then it grew into sort of this technical behemoth <laughs> that it is now as different uh, tools for better distribution uh, have come online, like uh Instagram, you know, this is an image-based platform that lots of people are um, showcasing um, both products that they desire or aspire to have and products that they've recently purchased to share with friends and, you know, showcase this fancy schmancy life. So so it's just sort of developed into what it is now just out of, out of a need. So what is your background? Is your background in web, web development? Or? Uh, no, not at all. My background isn't in business or technology. Uh, so my background, my master's is in policy, uh, public policy, and my undergraduate degree was in journalism, which actually is a very good background to have if you're going to go into being a tech startup. Like when you're a journalist or when you're trained as a journalist, you tend to think in questions and, and problems that need to be solved. So, so you So you then have to focus your efforts accordingly if that makes sense yeah um and my policy degree actually uh, informs my company being a social enterprise uh while i was <laughs> i have such a weird background for this space but <laughs> <laughs> while i was um so my degree is uh is i got a master's of public policy with concentration in public budgeting and finance and this was during like the throes of the recession where things were just super terrible and apocalyptic but what i one of the things i studied and what i found was that areas in the U.S. that fared better during the the downturn were those that had a very fibrous, um, very well patronized local local commerce and local retail core, because these are stores that are directly impacting uh, local economic development uh, across the country. So, um, so my aim with this country is to support, empower, help uh, support and empower and help. Uh, local independents prosper more so that their communities can prosper more. Well, I mean, there's just so many boutiques out there and so many, <laughs> it's, yes. it's, it's a huge number. Yeah. And f- from what I understand, I'm not a boutique guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, my fiance is, and she just tries to find all she can. I but need for her the number. Most part, <laughs> I need her number. We need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> but correct me if I'm wrong, but for the most part, it's word of mouth that you kind of get. Yeah. That, scoop right now. Places. That's, that's the, that's how you find out uh, most of the time in, I'm like, this is 2014. Like this is the best we can do. Like this isn't, you know, yeah, it's the digital age, right, man. Like right. I, most of them have their own website, but maybe you can't browse their material. They really just have so information. interesting data point. Most of them at best have a static website. So like mm-hmm. store name, address, phone number, hours of operation right but 77 percent of them aren't e-commerce enabled and that's just that's ridiculous 
what year is this? So, I mean, it's so the overwhelming majority of them don't aren't empowered enough with uh, or the existing tools rather don't empower them enough to bring them into the modern age. Um, and you know, they have they have you know they're not Walmart. They don't have a hundred million dollar budgets for uh, e-commerce. So you know they're restricted with time. Uh, they're restricted with money, and they're very restricted with technical know-how. Like this group of people they sell shirts and boots right. and bags right. and that's what they know right right at best they're you know posting on facebook or instagram but like you know they don't get into you know a, a tight crm operation or you know e-commerce connected and do you find that more on etsy and where does that fall short so etsy is more for uh independent like sort of craft makers and dealers uh they don't they don't represent in a lot of they don't represent uh people with brick and mortar stores by and large a lot of the times, um, people with brick and mortar stores um, they they buy from vendors on Etsy, but these are that's more of a, a middleman kind of yeah, it's more of a middleman. People consumers they do sell obviously direct to consumer on Etsy, but uh, but they don't represent uh, brick and mortar stores that sort of bring together many different vendors, designers. It's makers. strictly e-commerce, yeah. Yeah, go for it. Jump go in. for it. Sorry to hide. No, hop on in there. Go <laughs> ahead. Everyone's hanging out. Um, how do the retailers find you, or do you so find in, them, or do they? Or is it a marriage of both? Or so both. So, so the, the build is going on right now, and we'll be opening the platform. We've been in stealth for a little under a year. Uh, we'll be opening the platform in April, uh, and initially that's us giving them in uh, the solution and it's going to be non-exclusive at first so we're our atlanta's our initial market so we're looking at a floor of about 100 retailers in metro atlanta that'll be on the platform a flo- about a floor of 100 and a ceiling of about 300 so we're finding we found them we know who they are we know where they are and we're bringing their information onto the platform after that uh you know we'll be we'll be converting them to paid customers after our initial sort of opening trial Startup, if you will. right right uh and then uh as we scale it'll be a mix of both sort of push and pull sales tactics so we'll we 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 bring together a database of uh the different retailers and the different markets uh but for those um that want to have our or want to be featured on the platform um that proactively find us i mean there'll be that too so a little bit of both push and pull Mm-hmm. So you're not up yet, but you will be in April. That's kind of your tentative start. Yes, day. I have a meeting with my uh, <laughs> with my with my dev team after this. And yes, April April should should be when I can like back off the precipice because they're getting so annoyed. By well, you know, right I, I hear there's a great company that um, it's called Fourth Source. Yeah, and, and they do some stuff like that. I don't I don't know. Right. They're right, a near be. short company. It's actually really effective. <laughs> I might uh might be might be sliding in my card later, but no, <laughs> the guys I'm using right now they're actually they're form or they're startup guys too here in Atlanta. Okay, good buddies of mine. I trust them with my life, but sure. they're so annoyed with me. I'm just like, hey, <laughs> you're that client, aren't yeah. you? <laughs> What's up? And they're just like, Janelle, there is no update yet. Just we'll email you. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> so, but it's fine. April though. Mm-hmm. So. From a, a user standpoint, sure. I get on there and I buy, I buy a shirt mm-hmm. from a boutique online. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that? lead me to other places what's the so the daisy chain so our ui ux um for those that are listening that don't know what that means just our user interface user experience is uh, a bit more unique than most uh e-commerce solutions out there so uh when you go to the home and you'll see this in april so just hang tight <laughs> but when you go to the home page you'll be able to actually scroll the sidewalk of different storefronts um of stores and you can search by different store types so say you're so Say 
this is your first time at the site and you're in the market for some snazzy men's trousers that make you look super cool. Yeah. So you'd be <laughs> he's like trousers. I mean. <laughs> So you'd be searching uh, for men's clothes. That'd be the category you're looking at. And when that comes up, you'd see, you know, the a collection of men's stores that uh, fit that that sort of category, that search query that you're looking for. Uh, and if there's a familiar one that pops out that you, you know, are used to shopping at, you could shop there. Um, or if there's some new some new stores out that you didn't, or not new, but they're new to you. If there's some different stores that you've never heard of, you can uh, browse through those stores and see what they have to offer. Um, so that's that's version basic basic one but right. uh, version 1.2 which will come online very soon after that is you'll be able to um, save and collect uh, the different stores that fit your profile so like see say, I can make a profile that was right. the next question mm-hmm. okay yeah. yeah yeah you'll be able to customize you know like I if you're if, if, if when you shop locally you're most apt to you know shop for men's clothing maybe women's clothing not for you or your girlfriend not that there's anything <laughs> wrong with that but men's clothing let's say women's clothing and and bike you can customize that um your preferences uh, that way so that anytime there are updates for those stores specifically you get them and when there are new stores that are brought on that are in those categories with similar products you're alerted so just like hey you know you might be interested in this you bought these trousers here's some other trousers. no no no. we're not going to be that platform we're not going to okay. be annoying but the store, not necessarily the oh, products. Okay, so, so you the store. That level. was my question. So if I go on your website, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm searching for stores that have like products, not necessarily products right. that are like right. We're so we're not decoupling the product from the business. We want you to engage with the business, with their brand, what they have to offer, why they exist, and then from there, you you know the 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 products that they offer. Um, you have discretion about you know what that's obviously good for them, right. right? So you're actually you're more of an awareness platform so much as a as an e-commerce. You have the e-commerce Both, capability. Yeah. But mm-hmm. you, you want to make sure that people can find these stores that they like. Right. Hey, what's well, right next to my house? I never knew that was there. Right, exactly. You got it. So, how do you see this growing in the next couple years? Oh my God, we are going to take over like gangbusters all the way. <laughs> so, so actually, the uh, so the the niche that uh, my company is filling is is wholly underserved, and I've heard this across the country uh, when I've gone to different I don't know events or conferences or meetings whatever it's just like this is a huge hole that needs to be served and actually the zappos has a fast tech lab in san francisco and i met the guy who runs that last year at south by southwest when a contingent of atlanta startups went down there uh we met and i told him to do what i was doing and he like freaked out he was just like this is a huge problem he's like a lot of people are trying to figure out how to do this and no one's got it right yet but whoever gets it is king um so so we're going to be ki- well queen because I'm a girl. Uh, we're going to be queen king of the space because uh, I think we found the right. I think we finally found the best and most efficient and effective method to engage retailers because local independents are a funny bunch. Like they don't act logically, uh, but we found uh, their best uh, approach to engaging them uh, and getting them excited about uh, this. You know, sort of new day and um it's gonna be bananas and bananas is good bananas i love bananas <laughs> but that sounds great so as far yeah. as um atlanta goes how have you found that the startup community is fostered or not fostered what how do you feel about that oh God. uh i can't i can't be totally honest because blake is here and i'll get in trouble i'll get yelled at <laughs> <laughs> oh so you guys have met <laughs> yeah no i know like no but i mean atlanta so atlanta has atlanta as a startup community um, has some very good things going for itself, not to be minimized. Like it's, you can find you, you, 
most people have no problem finding uh, supportive, very smart, uh, an, or nurturing coterie of people uh, that can spur them on to do better. Or, you know, I have an idea. I thought about what you told me yesterday about such and such, and I think I found a better tool for that. Uh, check this out. Like, there's a lot of that in Atlanta. However, however, Atlanta, Atlanta, I feel like is sort of at the at the tipping point of a paradigm shift that needs to happen that should have happened years ago but is just now happening that's fine so um <laughs> so Atlanta like fancies itself like a B2B town like this is what we do like this is who we are this is what we do and like okay that's great but but you there needs to be there needs to be the will to begin to incubate and foster B2C companies or B2B2C companies because that's the heart of the internet. Like nobody, you know, you don't get people, you don't get young kids going into computer science or IT uh, because of Qualcomm. Like nobody, like nobody cares about the back, not nobody, but like old white guys care about the back end, which is fine. But like people fight for, fight for the heart of the internet because of Google, because of Microsoft, because of Facebook, because of Twitter, because of these consumer facing companies that that directly engage and that are on the the stage of innovation, if you will. But Atlanta, like you, you, yeah, Atlanta is not. They don't embrace. Um, they don't embrace B two C companies. Atlanta doesn't embrace B two B two C companies. So, so it's really frustrating to be on that side of the fence because it's like I go out and I talk to people, and you know I tell them what I'm doing, and it's like people get frozen in the headlights and apoplectic, like, uh, this is this has a consumer component. And I'm like, guys, I'm not asking you to help me clone a pterodactyl. It's still a business. <laughs> like product, service, marketing, and 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 look at your number. Like it's the same there's same elements apply, but it's it's just that there's a consumer facing piece of it and and this doesn't need to be, you know, something that's that's so it's so so scary or foreign like we can do this but i've had a couple of people so-called leaders in the startup community like told me like you need to go somewhere else like we can't do anything for you like what city did what in what other region would that happen like no i'm staying here and i'm going to do it here and i'm going to show you that it can be done with or without you right with this or without is happening you. here let's not be silly but that's just my like this sure. but there's some there's but some there have good, been some good things that happened in, correct so, yeah, so there are some good things happening. So Michael Tavani uh, of of Scout Mob, he's actually because Scout Mob is one of the biggest B two C sort of uh, mm-hmm. hits that we can tout as a city. Um, they've done some excellent things. Very smart guys, he and Dave. Uh, but Tavani, he's seen. He recently, like, not it probably wasn't recent. It's just now recently becoming public. But uh, he was at South by Southwest this year and had this you know huge like epiphany because people don't take Atlanta seriously in other areas because or other other tech hubs domestically don't take Atlanta seriously and Atlanta doesn't even really register with on their radar because we don't have any big B2C companies other than like Scout Mob and MailChimp to to you know parade around as successes so he was just like whoa like this is this is crazy and this needs to change like I know that there are people in this town who want to who have b2c ideas or are working on b2c companies right and we need to we need to hold these companies up we need to support them we need to tell a story about them so that atlanta can get a blip on the radar nationally so he's he's one of the he's one of i think he'll end up being one of the biggest driving forces of 
Atlanta startup communities enlightenment. <laughs> that's what I call it. Um, so so I'm really excited about that. And they they're because he's um, he's founding or starting or opening a uh, B2C and design based um, uh, startup incubator that I think is supposed to be housed at uh, Pont City Market. So that'll be really cool. And that's a big deal. But like right. more of that needs to happen. And I but think it's more tipping. It, it's starting to it's yeah, starting it's, to go that way. It's, it's the starting, pendulum swinging. Right. But the pendulum's not swinging because. Right. The pendulum is swinging. Yes. However, the pendulum is swinging because because the 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 the, the, the foot soldiers on the ground have like gotten sick and tired of and just like enough. Like we can do this and it's right. going to happen. So like let's make it happen. So it's it's been like a I don't know what the word is for that. It's I'm been a revolution. Like, yeah, right. It sounds a, like it. There's anyway. a little bit of a foot soldiers and yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> right. So I mean, but it's but again, it's Atlanta's a great right. place to be. You know, enlightenment takes place and everywhere. This right. is just—it's happening it's, here it's now. Ta- this is the and time and, and the way. Right. This is the right. time. This is the way. Let's make it happen. So, Sidewalk District's coming on in, in April. Where can people yes, go to God. learn more um, about you guys? So, it's just, we just have a landing page up right now uh, until we're open, but it's just sidewalkdistrict.com, um, or you can email me directly at Janelle at sidewalkdistrict.com, and my name is J A N E L L E at sidewalk districts everything spelled as it sounds uh dot com um i'm on twitter as well uh i'm pretty tethered to my devices so however you're you plugged in huh? <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> however you find me i'm there and i'll take your questions or chat with you whatever well great it was great learning about yeah, sidewalk yeah, district thanks 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 so how do you feel about hanging out with our last guest with us i'm i <laughs> would i'm Waiting with bated breath. Blake Patton, everyone. <laughs> well, yeah, last but certainly not least, Batten Cleanup for us is Blake Patton with Tech Square Ventures. This is a nice little segue into you guys, huh? Yeah, good morning, Michael. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem, man. Get on in there. Don't be afraid. That mic's not going to bite you. <laughs> All right, so tell me a little bit about Tech Square Ventures. Yep, so Tech Square Ventures is an early stage uh, venture fund launched last month. Uh, we'll be investing in, in startups in the, in the information technology and connectivity space. Um, here in the southeast. So sidewalk district's right in your wheelhouse, huh? Yeah, no, I think that was a good discussion. I think it's I, no coincidence we're sitting next to each other. <laughs> that's, that's all right. I can say. That's right. Certainly, uh, certainly love e-commerce companies. So how did this start up? I know we kind of talked about this a couple. I've had the uh, pleasure of talking to Blake before, but how did you guys start this up? Yeah, so, uh, well, most recently I was heading up ATDC, which is Georgia Tech's startup incubator. And, and while I was there... You know, I watched um, lots of great companies go through what, what Janelle was just talking about and have a hard time getting the capital and the help they need, uh, they need here to get started. And, uh, and, and so, you know, decided that that was what I wanted to do. And so put together this venture fund to, to help get some of those early stage companies off the ground. So for those folks listening at home that aren't quite up to what a venture fund is, kind of give us a little background on that. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's probably easiest to answer that uh, by describing it from the entrepreneur standpoint. You know, when you start a business, you're, you're funding it out of your savings, your, your credit cards. Um, you know, next you kind of tap into friends and family. <laughs> hey, can I get uh, 10 bucks? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're lucky, maybe a, a rich uncle. Uh, but, <laughs> but after you get to the end of that, um, that road, uh, you know, capital for growth is hard to find and, and you're too, you're typically too early. Uh, for banks to provide financing and other traditional forms of financing. Uh, so you look to angel investors uh, and venture capitalists. And angel investors are high net worth individuals essentially investing their own money in early stage companies. And, and venture capital 
is, um, uh, which is what I do, is, is essentially investing other people's money. You're a money manager investing other people's money in those early stage companies. And so, uh, you know, I have a venture fund. I have high net worth individuals that invest in that fund. Uh, and I look for early stage, innovative technology companies. So how does this differ from crowdsourcing? Yeah, so, uh, you know, crowdsourcing, uh, it's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a much longer than you know, <laughs> nine minute answer to that. Uh, but essentially, from, from a venture capital standpoint, the most obvious difference is that venture capitalists are, are money managers investing other people's money. Um, and, and crowdsourcing, you know, the company is, is out looking for funding and individuals are investing their own money. There's a, um, a much longer answer that, that's a legal answer and that, <laughs> <laughs> and that uh, you know, crowdfunding, what makes it new and unique is when you're investing in these uh, private companies, you know, there's laws that, that mean you have to be an accredited investor and you have to meet certain um, financial kind of hurdles to, to be able to invest in these. And so what, what crowdsourcing is, uh, what it started out as, is essentially a way of um, individuals maybe that weren't credited uh, to, to invest in companies, but but do so, you know, getting something other than equity in those companies, sure. right? Maybe maybe free services or something for in, in exchange for supporting that company early on. And it and you know the much more sort of complicated answer has to do with as a startup, your ability to pitch the company and who you can pitch it to, uh, and and advertise essentially that you're right. trying to raise investments. So do you work more with in investors finding businesses or businesses finding investors? Or so, is it kind of both? I mean, it's yeah, you know, so I, I mean, I, I'm looking for startups to invest in. That's how I'm spending most of my time uh, right now. I've already raised, you know, my fund. In the beginning, I spent all my time looking for investors. Sure. I have a quick uh, question. Yeah. How big is the fund? So uh, we've raised $10 million. Okay. Is it exclusively seed or seed and series A? Seed and series. Seed oh, okay. and early stage, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow, yeah, it's a lot of money, and you guys have only been around for a couple for how long? Uh, so we we launched the fund in February, just last month. Yeah, it's a lot. That's quick, man. It's, it's a good start. It's a good start, but um, you know, uh, you know, there's a ton of opportunity here, and and you know, one of the things I would I would sort of add to Janelle's discussion is, uh, um, you know, when we talk about you know consumer facing businesses, you know, we've got some of the biggest consumer brands. We have the biggest consumer brand in the world, you know, yes. right here in Atlanta, right? Yes. So, um, you know, I don't think that it's been uh, any sort of conspiracy or, or, <laughs> or, or desire not to fund these early stage, uh, um, you know, technology B2C companies. I think it just has to do with uh, uh, expertise. You know, Mark talked about as he founded his business, right? He started out by, by leveraging, you know, his, his background and, um, and that's natural. So we're, we're starting to get a little bit of a critical mass uh, here in Atlanta, folks with that expertise. And, and looking forward, one of the reasons I'm really excited about the connectivity space, which for me means connected devices and sensors and mobility and, and, uh, and medical devices, is that I think, you know, that will further bring Atlanta more into the B2C mix. You know, we have all the ingredients here to be uh, a leader in, in that kind of connectivity space. You know, we're strong in mobility. We're strong sure. in big data. Uh, and, 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 you know, through Georgia Tech, we're very strong in sensors. So, um, so I think there's a lot of great activity, you know, headed down the the B2C path. Well, I know a lot of the folks, uh, especially in Atlanta and in the South, that um, have the money to invest usually got it from like real estate or something like that. So it's a, it's a mindset thing, right? And they think, oh, I, I could lose all my money on this. Like, There's the 70% loss, not 100% <laughs> loss, right? Yeah, we, we clearly have lots of wealth uh, in Atlanta, and they're clearly investing in alternative assets. It's just they haven't been investing in venture capital. And, you know, that's starting to change. I think one of the another kind of trend that's helping change that is 
you know, Atlanta's been a town um, that, you know, as you kind of heard when Janelle was talking about it, we tend to think of these other tech hubs, you know, as having their act together, Silicon Valley, you know, the, in the Northeast, Boston, or, or Austin, Texas. And, and for years, one of the things they've really gotten right is uh, their large technology companies have been big supporters of the early stage community there. Uh, what's changing now is, is it's not just technology companies. You know, all companies now are starting, you know, big, lots of big companies are starting to think about innovation outside their four walls and collaborating with each other and collaborating with startups. And so, you know, I kind of think now is Atlanta's time. That's, that's always been our economic development strength, our, our huge base of Fortune 1000 companies and, and mid-market companies. And, um, and that's going to drive uh, a lot more of that change. I want to just piggyback yeah, on what he said. One of because I don't want to get yelled at too much. Um, so one of the <laughs> things that the the startup community here has uh, has done very well, in my opinion, is in my opinion, is that they've taken advantage, uh, or they've been able to successfully leverage uh, several of the Fortune five hundred. Fortune 500 companies uh, for startup benefits. So there's a there was an there is an initiative, I guess, at uh, Hypopotamus, which is one of the uh, is, which is the free co-working space in Tech Square uh, that everyone uh, goes to because it's free. Uh, but they uh, they made they had an initiative of partnering or bringing together startups uh, that you know had were B two B in nature with uh, some of the Fortune 500s to get them to get one of one of those big companies to be their first uh, customer, so that way, that's it. You know, it's, you're no longer bootstrapping at that point, but you might not. You might be able to kick the can down the road a bit for doing a raise. You get a little boost, right? Because right? you get you know a hundred fifty thousand dollar contract from Coke or right. UPS or something. So I think that that is that is a very big. Uh, very big, what do you call it, advantage that Atlanta uh, has as a startup community that they have gotten right. Just want to put that out there. Please don't <laughs> send me hate mail. Okay. Uh, so you, you actually got an article featured in the Business Chronicle. Right. Yeah. That's uh, So Irvash wrote a nice article when uh, when the fun launched. Hey, um, he said that uh, you entered in kind of a crowded feel, field. How do you kind of feel about that? Yeah. So uh, so Irvash is a great uh, tech writer and does a, does a, um, a great job helping uh, highlight a lot of the startups here in Atlanta, but but in this case, I definitely disagree with them. Um, obviously, or I wouldn't be doing this. I think the <laughs> the uh, you know the, at the earliest stages, especially here in Atlanta, it, there's no doubt that funding um, has gotten easier, especially for internet uh, companies. But but in particular for companies with deeper IP, um, uh, you know, and, and deeper technology companies, uh, it's, it, it's we still have a capital shortage here, and you know and when you look at the statistics, you see that Georgia has less than 1% share of the national venture capital pool, mm-hmm. and, and the entire Southeast has less than 3%. And that's certainly not reflective no, of the amount small, of opportunity here. Well, there's a lot of a lot of business happening here. I mean, that's, that's a small percentage for such a bit high business city, let alone area. Right. And so that's, you know, that's, that's why I think there's such a great opportunity here, and that's that's part of you know part of why I'm doing it. There's a there's a need here because of that. You know, I can collaborate with other investors. It's not it's not as competitive an environment as as it is in some of those other tech hubs, and um, you know, and like I said, it's it's getting better, but we have a long way to go. Well, and it's working. I mean, you obviously you've raised ten million dollars in a month, right? I mean, well, I didn't raise it in a month. <laughs> I raised it. I, I launched in February, but okay. it, it took a little while before that to raise it. <laughs> well, but still, I mean, the, the money came right. in, right? The money came in, and and that was. You know, people who see things uh, going on in Atlanta, they, they believe the same thing, that there's a lot of opportunity in the southeast. And, um, you know, and, and folks that I met uh, through and through Georgia Tech and while I was, you know, heading up ATDC and, and saw this need and, and pulled a few of them together. 
Doesn't the mayor also have a whole Startup Atlanta initiative? And how helpful is that like to you and, and to the, you know, the stuff that you guys do? Yeah. So, I, look, there's a ton of great stuff going on. I mean, when, when you think about Atlanta, um, again, kind of piggybacking on, on Janelle's comments, you know, when I look at Atlanta, I look at it through a slightly different lens. You know, we have all the key ingredients here. We've got world-class research universities. We've got unbelievable um, talent uh, here. And, you know, to, to Janelle's point, um, and, and, you know, sure, one of the areas we've lacked is um, is capital, but now leveraging those Fortune 1000 companies. And, and so we've got startup organizations, ATDC, uh, which is Georgia Tech Startup Incubator. You know, Forbes calls it one of the top 12 in the, in the world. You know, she talked about hype. Um, you know, organizations like CEO Council Helping Entrepreneurs. Venture Atlanta has become a huge platform for, for startups. So we, we have all these pieces, and now you're starting to see the economic development part of Atlanta um, over the past probably two years or so, which is which things like Metro Chamber focusing very much on entrepreneurism, right? The mayor's office focusing. So I think all those things help mostly because they they already have relationships with that Fortune 1000, you know, um, audience, and they're able to help explain to them and help help bring those things together and help them understand how how it benefits everyone that that collaboration because big companies, you know, it's it's very strategic for them to have that innovation happening here. It's very strategic for the universities to have that happening here. Yeah, and sorry, it's actually Invest no, Atlanta, not Startup Atlanta, but that's right. one of the things, too, that I've heard him say is that exactly to your point, mm -hmm. companies get started, but then they lack the funding, they lack the and interest, they and they leave Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So great ideas get started here, yeah. right. but they grow somewhere else, and that's yeah. a big deal for Atlanta. Yeah, they, it's a really big well, deal. Well, it's money walking out the door, right. really. Yeah. It's like, it's like a someone going into your store and be like, oh, no, I'm going. It's just it's, it's money. Just yeah, it, and, and, you know, Again, I think sometimes we get in Atlanta. Atlanta has been always been very good at getting on airplanes and recruiting big companies to come locate here or locate regional headquarters here. And and it's not really about counting exactly which companies are here and which ones aren't. It's about developing a really strong ecosystem. If you look at you know, at the peak of the recession in 2010, uh, Austin, Texas, and San Jose, California had the strongest job growth in the country. And the reason is they already had strong, developed you know entrepreneurial ecosystems, and, and that's what drives job growth. So what gets you most excited about what you guys are doing? Yeah. I, well, the, the most fun is I get to spend all day, every day, talking to Georgia's best and brightest entrepreneurs about just amazing ideas. You know, one of the reasons I called it Tech Square Ventures and launched, um, you know, in Tech Square uh, here in Midtown is is just all the unbelievable activity that's going on down there. It's, it's not just the startups um, and, and the organizations we mentioned earlier. It's it's large companies like AT and T and Panasonic that have, that are developing innovation centers there. It's things out of Georgia Tech like Venture Lab and you know and IPAT and and all the all the research base there. So the the thing gets me most excited is 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 you know spending time with those entrepreneurs. Uh, the the sort of areas that I'm I think are the most kind of interesting and dynamic right now is that connectivity, the connected devices, you know, medical devices space. I think we're just we're sort of at the beginning of an enormous amount of change over the next decade, you know, billions of devices that aren't connected today will become connected and what, what sorts of business opportunities does that drive? I know what you're talking about. I've had the privilege of coming to a few startup uh, activities and, and uh, confabs, if you will. And it, the people that are there, they're just brilliant and they have such great ideas. They're all passionate about it. So to, to work in, in that environment, it's, it's got to be like fuel to the fire. I mean, it's, it's, there's it's, some really intelligent people out there. You know, there. it's great. And, and it's, you know, capital is one small part of helping them you know realize their dreams and so that that's fun too 
Um, but, but, you know, all of us have a role in, in helping these startups. They need people, you know, they, they, they need capital, but they need people, you know, they need customers. And we talked about what the Fortune 500 companies and, and mid-market companies here can do, you know, and they need some degree of coaching and professional development. And we've started to have, a, you know, a lot of organizations like, you know, ATDC and Hypotamus and, and um, you know, ATV and Buckhead to, to help provide that support and that professional development. So I'm, I'm very bullish on Atlanta and, yeah. and, and really the whole Southeast. So where do you see the tech scene in Atlanta and Tech Square Venture in five years from now? Yeah. Well, so, um, you know, I think the, the tech scene, um, you know, that's, that's an interesting way to phrase it. So the, there's, a, there's a much bigger focus nationally on entrepreneurism. And, and you know, in, there's a recent study by the Kauffman Foundation that kind of drove you know, local governments, federal government, state-level governments to focus on entrepreneurism, you know, really that highlighted that as the source of job creation, right? You know, nearly, um, in the, I think it was in all but seven of the past 35 years, 100% of job growth has come from new startups, you know, that meaning existing companies were net job destroyers. So that, that has caused a lot of shift to focus on that. So I expect that the tech scene, or, or at least the entrepreneurial community to be you know, more and more vibrant, and I think this whole collaborative innovation with big companies and small companies is going to is going to continue. It's no longer going to be as simple as is it M and A or is it R and D. It's there's this there's this new uh, way of working together and and, and evolving innovation, and um, and so you know, TechSquare Ventures by by then we will have made in this first fund we'll have made all of our initial investments. So we'll be supporting you know in a phase of just making follow on investments and supporting those companies, and hopefully uh, into our second fund. It sounds exciting. So, where, yeah. can, where can people go to invest or seek investment uh, from you guys? Yeah, so uh, go to www.techsquareventures.com. All right. Well, it was great chatting with you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for Midtown Business Radio. I'm Michael Lauer, and thanks for listening.